0: Welcome to Blogs on Tape. Today's post is Keystone Species Encounter Table, written by Scrap Princess, and originally posted on her blog, Monster Manual Sewn From Pants, at monstermanualsewnfrompants.blogspot.com. Keystone Species Encounter Table. This is one of those thinking-aloud posts, where I had an idea for something and want to see what it looks like when I write it out, which hopefully results in something usable, salvageable, inspiring, or at the very least, interesting. This idea is building an area's encounter table around a single species, in order to make it feel more alive and dynamic, and allow more forewarning to happen about the more dangerous encounters. So you decide on a keystone species, although this can be anything encounterable, and think about how it would affect everything else. What is a keystone species? Let me just copy-paste from wiki here. A classic keystone species is a predator that prevents a particular herbivorous species from eliminating a dominant plant species, if prey numbers are low, keystone predators can be even less abundant and still be effective. Yet, without the predators, the herbivorous prey would explode in numbers, wipe out the dominant plants, and dramatically alter the character of the ecosystem. A keystone species doesn't have to be a predator, but we'll start with one because it's the easiest to d d so let's take the Hydra More from the Ramanan Sivaranjan Excellence in Gaming Best Goddamn Book of 2015, award-winning book, Fire on the Velvet Horizon. It's one of the simplest monsters in there, a hydra of eels, so it will do nicely. Let's have it live in a mangrove because they are super underused biomes. Mangroves are great because you have all kinds of water monsters there, but have the party still basically on land. Real-life mangroves are kind of a nightmare to travel on foot. The footing is treacherous, sharp protrudings from the mangrove roots, deep sucking mud and biting insects. But for our purposes, I'll say there's more reliable ground than there actually is. What does a hydra moray eat? Basically everything. It will eat mussels and other shellfish, it will eat fish, it will eat alligators, it will eat too slow climbers and flyers so I think it's unlikely to have another large predator here unless it swam from further away. However, smaller and faster and or more versatile predators or scavengers seem plausible. Also, I could always have something with a more unusual property allowing its survival. So let's have some kind of tree-climbing hyena otter. Like the Amazonian giant otter, but hunting in packs and a rapid climber. They will scavenge, eat shellfish, chase smaller or weaker hydromorae away from kills, snip off stray bits of a meal or even a head, or just finish off the remains. They will retreat into the treetops when endangered and make large, messy nests there. Okay, now for a hapless prey animal. Gibbons. The bald, screamer gibbon, which I'm making up. It's nearly hairless and has a look of constant fear on its face. It eats leaves, fruit, bark, and the occasional shellfish. They will get eaten in the water, and they will get eaten in the trees. They have the long-limbed graceful swinging in trees, but in the water they have an absurd-looking butterfly stroke. They will squirt big jets of blinding green shit loaded with herbal toxins from their diet, if disturbed, while fleeing and hooting. This hooting will attract the attentions of the otters, but not the moray. So I got three beasts, let's build an encounter table. I don't have a clear system about how I do these numbers, but generally I treat a hex or turn of traveling like doing a room in a dungeon, so I like to do a 3-3-3 of definite threat, possible threat, environmental. Definite threat is something that is very likely to result in harm unless action is taken. A possible threat will result in harm only in specific situations or fuckery. An environmental is traces of a threat, clues, and resources. Then with those categories, where needed, a third are unluckier than usual, and a third are luckier. That's my guidelines here, anyway. I'm still not 100% in these numbers, and I actually deviated from it when making the below table. Whoa? Note that a lot of traditional encounter chances are created with them as a counter, penalty, or risk to taking too much time or covering distance, while I use them as a what are we doing this session generator. Any large amount of noise, i.e., gibbons, or blood in the water will trigger another encounter roll, only using results relating to hydras or otters. Definite Threats 1. A younger, wounded, or depleted hydromoray it has less than normal heads, 1d4 plus 2, will follow at a distance and attack if approached, the party seems weak, or there's blood in the water. It will settle for at least a dog's worth of meat. 2. A healthy adult moray will become aware of the party and start slowly swimming towards them, waiting for the best moment to strike. It will want at least two adults worth of food. And if it incapacitates one while the rest of the party flee, it will stash the downed one under a root mass and continue. 3. Adult moray, about to eat or currently eating a shark or crocodile. It will defend its meal against others. Roll again to see if anything else shows. 4. 1d4 younger otters, will follow just out of reach, both in the water or tree branches, looking cute. We'll attempt to snatch and flee with food or small animals, and attack isolated, injured individuals. 5. Standard pack of otters, 5 plus 1d6 of them. Lolling about in branches and eating shellfish. will attack a weak-looking party, try to chase off other packs or smaller mores from a kill. If the next encounter triggers an encounter roll, this pack will show up. 6. Otter Nest. Looks like a bunch of flotsam jammed in a tree. 2d8 pups present. 1d4 otters present that will chase off anyone getting close. Another 2d6 will show up if prolonged combat or aggravation happens. The pups are worth a lot for their fur and use as hunting or guard animals. The nest might also have rings or jewelry from limbs or heads brought back here for the pups to eat. 7. Shark 8. Crocodile 9 to 15. Gibbons in trees Will freak out if disturbed, shitting jets of blinding spray and making a lot of noise. 16. A corpse up a tree Legs eaten off, rest of body stripped to bone, some salvageable equipment 17. Battered down smaller trees. 18. Submerged corpse under a root mass with a single limb rising up. Hydromorae that stashed it was driven out of the area. 19. Crocodile corpse caught up in a merging root mass being picked clean by crabs. 20 knocked over otter nest, ripped open, human limb and gibbon bones throughout the compacted nest surface of fur, plant material, and feces. Some jewelry." Next post, if my or your interest continues, will have one of the following goals. Make a way simpler version of this, show an example with lots more variety, maybe do one with something other than an alpha predator, or even building it around something that isn't part of the food chain directly, like rogue golems or wandering bands of undead. That was Keystone Species Encounter Table, written by Scrap Princess and read for you by Nick L.S. Whalen. Blogs on Tape is a project that works with authors to make great RPG blogs more accessible through audio recordings. It's a community project which you can contribute to with a small donation to help offset our hosting costs at ko blogsontape slash blogs on tape. And whether or not you're able to contribute in this way, thank you very much for listening.